I'm going to stretch a little. The Lord stretched me a bit in the shower this morning, some more on this thing, which I kind of really like. I like being stretched. I like when he stretches me. Okay. A key. Key to see. The key of love. The book of Thomas, chapter 1, verse 2, Jesus said, Let him who seeks continue seeking until he finds. Do you realize that it's important to find? Do you realize that you need to seek to find? In Proverbs 25, in Young's literal translation, it says, the honor or the glory of God is to hide a thing. And the honor or glory of kings is to search out a matter. Do you see the importance of this now? God has purposely hidden it. But he's looking for kings, and he's not talking about the Prime Minister of Canada and the President of the United States. He's talking about he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. It says that Christ will set up his government. It's a, it's a heavenly government, and it says that the, um, the king or the government will be upon his shoulders and there will be no end. So, what do you suppose he's doing? Doesn't it say that we will rule and reign with God someday? Does it not say that we will rule nations, galaxies, universes? Does it not say that we would be kings and lords? But in order to be that, you have to want to walk submitted in in obedience to God and know what it is he's teaching. He's purposely hidden things so that you might seek and find. You might seek and find. Search a matter out. The heavens, listen, for height, the earth for depth. Remember what I told you about that. The distance, my ways are not your ways. There's high as the heavens are below the earth. Earth being carnal. Heaven being the thoughts of God, the heavenly thoughts. Walking in the divine. Walking in the divine. Having the mind of Christ, understanding his voice, hearing him speak to you, walking in his understanding, not what we think in a place of darkness. Right? Darkness, light, fallen, restored. Okay? So, he says, he's showing us this, and then he goes, The heart of kings are unsearchable. Take away the dross from silver. So dross needs to be removed. Remember that whole story of the silversmith? How did they get pure silver? They heat it up. Remember, the dross comes to the top. They scoop it off. They let it cool. They heat it again, hotter. Dross to the top, scoop it off, let it cool. They do this seven times until it's pure. Silver, gold. And how they know? Each time it was heated hotter than the time before. And finally, the silversmith looks into the silver and he sees himself. And he goes, it's good. So what do you suppose the Lord is doing in us? What do you suppose he's doing? It says, 
to these kings. Clearing the dross to create a vessel for the refiner to go forth. For God to move forward in you and me. Rule. King of kings, Lord of lords. But he's got to clear the dross. That's why they always talk about the wine press. They always talk about the, the um, threshing floor. You know where they throw the weed up and everything, the wind, or sorry, the wheat falls, the wind blows all the chaff away, right? All these metaphors are about a process of taking things out so that we can see. Because it's not about being good because God is good. It's not about your gifting and your great abilities. It's about Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Nothing is impossible. All things are possible to him who believes. It's about God. You've got to kind of get over yourself and come to this place called rest where you rest striving and you start receiving. Human being, not a human doing, right? It's part of the darkness. This kid, I l- heard this prophetic word from this young man of 14 or 15 years old the other day. He might as well have been 70. The guy's moving in the spirit like no tomorrow, and he's 14 or 15. We would think he'd be sitting at the back playing on his Game Boy. In the word, the Lord said, I've tread upon my grapes. And I'm looking for vessels now to pour that wine into. The guy is talking about habitation. Habitation is God in you, living in you. This young man, I'd like him to come share someday. You will be shocked <laughs> when you see him because you will believe nothing good can come out of Nazareth, can it? It's not about the young man's abilities. It's about Christ in him, and he seems to have stepped into it. Amazing word. So encouraged me. What blew me away one day was the Lord showed me when I was really drunk in the presence of God up here. The glory hit me, and I was like wasted. The Lord said to me, John, how do you like the wine? I said, wow, God, this is pretty good. Felt a little different than other times. I said, this is amazing, Lord. He said, I thought I'd let you taste the wine of your crushing. The events and things I'd went through in my life to help me to get to a place of rest when he'd tread upon me, I was drinking it. Do you know how honoring that is? That bends me. I can't even barely reach up and get those cookies off that shelf. It was so amazing that he would do that. How much does he love you? He loves you. He wants you to know. Isn't that amazing in Proverbs? It's just, whoa. A vessel for the refiner to go forth. So God is doing this thing. He's hidden something from you so that you might search and find, Thomas said. 
so that when you find at first you become troubled. Why are you troubled? You are troubled because it is not what you thought. It's not what you thought. It's like the song she was singing again today, another song about, um, you are not who I thought you were. Is it the same song? Man, there's a lot in that song. He's not. So then, it says after that, because there's a troubling moment when you find you've had this menorah in your back pocket all these days, and then you find out there's no glory in it. It's like a bet dead. Then he goes, hey, I'm not even going to let you keep it, man. Chuck it. I'm going to give you a menorah that's lit, full of glory, seven spirits of God. I'm going to show you what's really going on. And he begins to do that, awaken you. Then it says, Thomas says, you become astonished. (gasps) Oh my gosh. He's alive. He's alive. And you begin to feel his presence. You begin to get whacked in the glory. Well, that's all fine, but it's going somewhere. It's going somewhere. And then he says, you will rule over the all. How's that? King of kings, Lord of lords. Now, one of the things we got to understand, the Lord kind of showed me this morning in the shower in my prayer closet. I have a wet prayer closet. Brian was peeking at it the other night. He was thinking about going in. <laughs> Wee! Ooh, God. Mm. Huh. John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it came and was manifested, dwelt among us. Correct? Am I right? Okay. Is the Word of God not language? It's language. He wanted to speak to us. Now, the problem is, if you know anything about God, you know that he doesn't speak carnality. He doesn't speak English, like you think. Tongues of men, tongues of angels. Here. Please tell me what I just said. You'll need a gift to do that. Have you ever had a dream? You go, if you're like me, I used to go, God, you got to quit speaking Russian because I don't get it, man. If you're going to talk to me, please help me here because Russian isn't my thing. And when I use Russian, it could be anything. It could be German, it could be Spanish. I couldn't understand the language, right? Have you noticed that? And then when he tells you what it means, you're like, oh, my gosh. It was in front of my nose all the time, but I couldn't see it. Until some little tumblers, like a, like a safe, go click, click, click. And you go, oh, that's bizarre, Lord. That's, that's really good, God. You know? That's because he has to tune you to the language he speaks. So, with that understanding, the Lord said, Do you really think the parables are the way you read them? 
Do you really think the stories that got into the Bible, are there by accident, and are they just the way you're reading them? Are your dreams the way you think? Why is he doing that? I think one of the reasons is, yes, in Romans it says, I know not how to pray as I ought, so the Spirit makes intercession through me. But I think also the Lord wants me to see something more. Remember, there's levels of revelation. I think he also wants me to see something. John, do you hear the Spirit? Do you understand the Spirit? No, Lord. That's right. You need to look to me. So the Word was born amongst us. God came in the flesh into the carnal world, into the darkness where mankind was lost, cannot see, cannot understand, leaning on their own understanding. And he moved amongst us and spoke. But he spoke in a way like a set of stairs. There's the literal remember, then it takes you to the hint, geez, I think there might be something to this, to uh, the metaphor or the allegorical to the hidden. God has hidden. Remember what it says in Proverbs, Scripture interprets Scripture. He has hidden something for us to seek, to find. You must find. That's what I was trying to get this morning. We must find. We can't stay in the literal. The literal won't go away. It's supposed to be there. It's a step. But it is not going to take you where you want to go. Throw the net on the other side, Pete. But Jesus, man, I'm the fisherman. Dude, you're a teacher. You got nothing to know about fishing. Come on. Dude, I'm God. Throw the net on the other side. And he pulls it out so filled that he, they could barely, the boat could barely handle it. And yet, have you ever noticed in that story, it's Peter that drags those fish out? One man. How did he do that? See, there's, there's a hint. Something there. What's going on? You think the Twilight Zone was a good show. There's a book called The Code. It's called a Bible. Where God wants to give us a staircase back into his heart, back into the heavenly realm to walk with God, to see both realms wide open at one time. Right? You know what I'm amazed? And I'm just starting. <laughs> Do you know what I'm amazed about this? Do you know what they're doing in the world right now? All the smart people, quote unquote, the intellectual, the carnality of intellectualism. Right? They gather together and they're trying to understand who we are and what's going on. So you've got archaeologists, you've got scientists, you've got everything you can think of, and they all gather together. I just watched this show called, last night before I went to bed, I thought it was really interesting, called The uh, Code of the Pyramid. And they're like going, those pyramids are here and they're trying to tell us something. Did you know that they're there telling you to tell them something? Remember the things of the world speak? The natural speaks of the supernatural? They're crying out to them going, they don't make any sense, man. There's a code here. 
What did these people try to tell us? What are they trying to tell us? There are things cut into the, into the pyramids that tools such as lasers, they would need to do them. Lasers. There are floors in there that are amazing. Polished floors. Now here's something I thought was very interesting as I was watching it. Why do we believe we are at the height of technology? Why do we believe that things graduate from baby to adult in our wisdom on the planet? I'll tell you why. Darwin, behind your consciousness, Darwinism tells you monkey, human. Do you see? What do you know about man 4,000 years, 3,000 years ago? How do you know he didn't have cell phones? How do you know? How do you know that it didn't get lost? Because of sin. Jesus said, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that is, was, everything that will be, has been. It's Darwinism. It's inside of us. So get rid of that notion. Those are practically apes back there. Now, you know the one thing that they're seeing? They're seeing that right now, they, they believe this. There is this clock, Right? The Mayans, they understood the stars and everything, and they said they're this clock. It, makes, it goes in line with one, a rotation of the earth, which happens every 26,000 years, of which ended in 2012. Now, what happened is over that period of time, 11,500 years ago, was Egypt, the pyramids. I know this doesn't align with what we believe. That's okay. I just want to show you... They're thinking. That's all I'm showing you. There was a, play, a time in Egypt, they call it the Golden Age. It was amazing, they say. And then it went to silver, bronze, dark. And they say we are at the bottom of the rung, the darkest time in history. This is their belief. Now, you know Why? In the Golden Age, it says they were on a higher level of consciousness. They were awake. They could live in both realms. And they had um, love for one another. They respected each other. They respected women. They understood women, what their value, and man. This is just their beliefs. Again, I'm I'm not giving you doctrine. I'm showing you a belief. Because... Even though they're lost, they're catching glimpses of a truth. I want to sh- as I'm going to show you this in Scripture. Not their clock and all that stuff. I know nothing about it and I don't even care at the moment because God's not teaching me it. But I want you to see something. They say right now in history, man has almost zero spirituality. Right? And there are individuals running the show behind the scenes on the earth and they overtax the people and keep them bound and they bring it all greed into themselves and they're destroying the planet and they don't care. True. They're right. 
right? And they said, December 21st, 2012, where everybody thought was the end of the world, was actually the beginning of a shift, where we were going to shift and start to head upward again towards the golden age. Now, this is their belief system. What I'm going to say is what they're recognizing is the Spirit of the Lord moving on the planet and light and revelation coming, but they got no grid work for what that means. So the only thing they can do is look to the natural to understand. Right? Make sense? So, they are hungry. They just need to see. And it definitely isn't being seen in world religions, is it? Not even in what we would call Christianity, which is a religion. Because the very things the Lord said not to do, we do. Do not judge. Holy smokes. What's wrong? Something's wrong. We just got to recognize that something's wrong and go back to the master and let him teach us. And that's what's been going on over the last five years. For me, since 2006 is when it began about the whole Reformation. Do you know what happened the other day? I don't know what day it was, but recently there was a lady in Germany that the Lord spoke to her about going to this church where they were having a... um, some kind of prayer meeting and music thing, right? She had to drive an hour and a half to get there. And she said, Lord, can't you, somebody's got to be there that can go there. You don't really need me. That's an hour and a half drive, man. The Lord said, I want you to go. So she created a banner, and I forget what it says, something about Jesus Christ is the Lord, something like that. She gets there, and in the middle of the meeting, right, They want to do this unity thing, and they have a guy from Islam stand up and begin to sing out, right, in a Christian church because they want to get along. And so he starts singing out, and he's calling on Allah, Allah, right? And so as he is, she stands to her feet. And this church, by the way, was one of the places as a sign of Martin Luther. There's a statue of him in there from the Reformation. She stands to her feet, this one little woman, and begins to cry out as he's praying, saying, I break those curses in the name of Jesus Christ. You are a liar, and you have nothing to do with the Son of God. This is a lie and a deception. He's worshiping an idol not Christ, and this does not wash in Reformation. So where, and they ushered her out, obviously, but she didn't stop. She did what she felt God had asked her to do. There's a boldness going to come on the children of God as they know their God. And they can't compromise anymore. We can't compromise for the sake of unity, can we? Can a truth and a lie live together? What do you get? It's not about not loving the guy. It's about you don't give the guy place to call on a demonic God 
in the middle of a so-called Christian church. And she has a passion for Germany to come back. Crazy things are going to start happening because people are no longer satisfied with compromise. No, no longer satisfied with keeping the light under the bushel basket. Right? Hmm. Matthew 7 in Darby's translation says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone that receives, or everyone, sorry, that asks, receives. He that seeks, finds. Him that knocks, opens. There's something to what he's telling us here. Or what man is there, you who, uh, if his son shall ask him for what? A loaf of bread will give him a stone. So what you need to see is that bread is connected to ask, seek, knock. Bread. That's not in there for no reason. It's not that Jesus is all over the place. So, the John chapter 14 uh, It says, Yeshua said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Colossians 2, verse 10 in the Amplified. And you are in him, made full and having come to fullness of life. In Christ, you too are filled with what? The Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you will reach full spiritual stature. He's the head of all rule and authority of every angelic principality and power. Now, do you notice here all three of those passages have a triune thing, don't they? They have ask, seek, knock, way, truth, life, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all trinities. They're all triune. John 6, 65 in the Amplified says, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him, unless he's enabled to do so by the Father. No one is able to come to me, Jesus is saying, if the Father who sent me doesn't draw him. So there's no way to the, to the Son except the Father draw you. Do you realize that? There's no way you can get saved. You can't just decide to do this thing on this journey. It's what Scripture's telling you. But there's a reason He's unfolding it like this to you. <clears throat> It is the Spirit who gives life. Well, let me back up on that for one second. Ask, weigh, Father. It's the first section. Ask, weigh, Father. Now, how do you get to the Son? The Father draws you. 
How do you, and what would we call that? It's the way. And the question has to come to your heart to cause you to ask, to receive, or you won't. You will never ask if it's not put in you. So the Father creates this thing within you to ask, to place you on the way to seek. Now, what is it you're supposed to seek? Truth. And what is the truth? The Son. And what is He? The Word. It's a code. He's telling you that you must seek the Word for truth. It's hidden. Proverbs, hidden. But you must seek if you want to know the truth, which what's the truth do? Set you free. And it's the Son. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's the Word. Back up a bit. What did he connect it to? Bread. Bread. I'm going to pull communion into this for you too. The next is the knocking part. The knocking and the door opens. That's where the life is. After you seek, the door opens through knocking, and the life comes, and guess who the life is? The Holy Spirit. You cannot make it without Him. That was the purpose of God. He came, died on a cross for a reason, to bring life to you, to restore you back in the light. Right? Do you see how this goes? Knock because of seeking the door opens, which is the very life of God Himself, the Holy Spirit, I'm receiving now. Ask. The question gets in me. I seek the Word of God, through the truth, the Word of God, Christ, and I find, I begin to receive the life is why He did it, the Holy Spirit. And listen to John Chapter 6, 63 in the Amplified. It's the Spirit who gives life. You can't do this. You have to have this. It's the Spirit who gives life. He is the life giver. The flesh conveys no benefit whatsoever. There's no profit in it. No profit in carnality. No profit in reason. That's not what this is. It's not by power, by might. It's by my Spirit, says the Lord. The words, the truths that I've been speaking to you are spirit and life. They're spirit and life. It's not just reason. I'm not come to reason, but to give you life. The words that I speak are of the Holy Spirit in me, coming out to you to bring life in you. The way, the truth, the life. That's why lectures don't work. The reasoning sessions on a literal platform. But there's something different going on. Look at the history. The Old Testament is a picture of the Father. 
the New Testament is the Son, the Word of God coming from the Father. Then what's the third wave? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Father points to the Son who points to sending another. If I don't go, another can't come. The Holy Spirit to you. You yourself are a triune being. A temple. Your body, it says, is a temple. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. The Word of God is the cornerstone to the building, it says. And then we are one in spirit. Being connected once again. One in spirit with God. Do you know what cornerstone is? It's not at the bottom on the corner of the building. It's not that stone out at the side of this building that's got the date this building was built in Western theology or understanding. We put a cornerstone in, and it's got a date on it. That's not what a cornerstone is. A cornerstone is, would be uh, that where the star is up right there. It's at the top, and it wedges everything together check your history. It wedges everything together. It holds the whole thing together. If you remove the cornerstone, the whole building falls. It's the supporter of the whole thing. The Word of God is what supports this whole thing. The truth, the revelation from God Himself. Philip, Philip man, have I been with you so long that you don't understand? When you see me, you see the Father. Is that not what he said? Was not the fullness of the Godhead in Christ speaking to us? Where's the fullness of the Godhead now? It's in you and me. You're looking at the Father right now. You're looking at the Son and the Holy Spirit, the triune God. But then there's something more. Israel said, our God is one God. Not three gods, one God. One God revealed three ways. Now, I want to move into the, the, the meat of this. I want to go to John chapter 6, starting at verse 25. In the Young's literal translation, was, was, uh, this came apart about in 98. And I want you to see something. What's happening here at this scene is that Jesus has just fed the 5,000, right? And at the end of that period of time, the disciples got in a boat and went out to sea. And Jesus left. And it says, went up in the mountains. So the people are all standing around. They see the disciples get in the boat and they leave. Now we know later they're out on the water and all of a sudden they see this man and he looks like a ghost to them and it's Jesus walking on the water. He gets into the boat and they're transported to the other side. They didn't paddle there. Boom, they're on the other side. Correct? Now the people show up the next day on the other side because they want to know more. But this is their first thing to him. They go, having found them on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, teacher, how'd you get here? 
How'd you do this? You went that way. You didn't get into a boat. I didn't see you getting any boat across the sea. How did you get here? That's their first thing. That's kind of where we are. Right? We want natural understanding. How'd you get in the boat? How'd you get over there? Give me some reason, God. But he didn't. He showed up on the other side. Then he begins to say to them, Verily, verily. Very important when it says it twice. Truly, truly. He's saying, You seek me not because you saw signs, but because you did eat of the loaves and were satisfied. Now, this is not really true. Meaning, he knows why they've come. They've come the signs. But he wants to bring a revelation to them and to us, is why he said this. Because you'll see in a moment where he clarifies this to them. He goes, you think, or you came here, he goes, um, because you ate the, le- the loaves and were satisfied. Work not for the food that's perishing, but for the food that's remaining to life age during. Now that word is ionos, however. It's a Greek word. I'm going to show you what it means as we go through this. It's where we read eternal life. We think that's an extension of forever. It's not. He says if you eat the food that doesn't perish, and who's the bread? Jesus Christ. You, he says, will receive life for age during, which the Son of Man will give to you, for him did the Father seal even God. God sealed it in the bread, right? They said, therefore, to him, what may we do? See, this is where it is, see? What may we do that we may do the works of God? You see, it was all about the, what they seen with the physical eyes. It is about the gifts. It is about the, 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 um, the signs and wonders. Jesus said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom uh, did, he did send. Believe in me. It's not because of the signs, but because of the true bread that doesn't perish, and it remains in you, in me, preparing us for this age. Not the present age, but this age to come called age during. Now, when they talked in there, they talked two different ages, and the one was called this present age. That wasn't 20 years, 50 years, could be thousands of years. It's called this present age. It's a, a, a period of, of time where God was doing specific things. And so then he goes in another one, another age called age during, is what he's trying to show them. Something's going to happen. It's a shift that will take place. I'll break that down a little more for you later. They said, therefore, to him, what sign then will you do that we may see and believe thee? Show us some miracles. Do some signs so we can believe you. 
What work will you do, God? Our fathers, they said, the manna they ate in the wilderness, according as it has been given, been written, bread out of heaven, he gave them to eat. Jesus said to them, are you ready? Verily, verily, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread out of the heavens, but the Father gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which is coming down out of heaven and giving what? Life to the world. Life to the world. Christ, the Word, is the true bread from heaven. Or the spiritual bringing life of the Spirit to us, not earthly or carnal. We need this. We need the outworking of Calvary. What was it for? What was it for? What is it to do in you? You see, salvation was the beginning. It wasn't the end. It was only the beginning. It was a door that leads you into a house that takes you somewhere. Is the door important? Absolutely. It's everything. Without the door, you don't get in the house. You don't get into what God came to do. But it's not enough in itself to stand at the door. If you come to my house and stand at the door, you're never getting lunch. You're going to have to take your boots off and come in the door. And if in the U.S., don't take your boots off. You come in and you eat, right? This said, therefore, they said, sorry to him, Sir, always give us this bread then. They at least knew how to respond. They didn't understand, but they knew how to respond. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread, listen, of the life. Big difference. I'm the bread of the life. If you don't eat the bread, you don't get the life. And what is the bread? It's the revelation in Christ, right, of truth that carries you back up into the spirit of what we were and who we are. He who is coming unto me may not hunger, and he who is believing in me may not thirst at any time. Now, I thought this was a really interesting uh, connection, and I'll come to that in a second, the hunger and thirst thing. But I said to you that you also have seen me, and you don't believe me. All the Father does to give me, all he does and gives to me will come unto me. And him who is coming to me, I'll give it to him, basically. I, am in, I will in no wise cast him out, because I have come down out of heaven not that I may do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all that he has given to me I will not lose, but may cause it to um, raise it up in what? The last day. Now that, that means something, not necessarily what we've been taught about it. For one thing, what it means is it's at the end of the last day, there's no more time. Day is still consisting of time, right? But it's saying here, in the last day, that means within that day, God, still in time, God is going to do something. 
And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who is beholding the Son and is believing in him may have life, age, during. Have life, age, during. And I will raise him up in the last day. I'm going to raise him in, in, not after, in the last day. He says, I am the bread of life. He who is coming unto me may not hunger. So to come to truth will not look elsewhere. We won't look for it elsewhere. We're not going to have to go with those guys and study the stars to figure this out or the pyramids. And he who is believing in me will not thirst. To believe is to drink of the wine of the Spirit of the life of God, God called Zoe, Zoe life. It's the life of God, the Zoe life. So to, to come is to, to not hunger. That's to eat his flesh, remember? The word, the truth, the revelation. Partake of this. Do this in remembrance of me. To drink, it's important to drink. This isn't just some people getting drunk at the front. This is important to drink because what you're drinking is the blood of Christ. What you're drinking is the life. That's what it means is the life of Christ, which is the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. It's the purpose of why He came, why He brought the bread. Why did the Father send bread? For us to learn to get the Spirit to ascend back into Him, to go up the ladder. Life again in the age to come, that age called the third day, in that day, the aeonus, Greek, being raised up to ascend the ladder in the third day from Christ or the seventh day from Adam, in that day. So the Jews, therefore, were murmuring, Adam, because he said, I'm the bread that came down to heaven. Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we've known? How then does he say this? Out of the heavens I've come down. Jesus answered, therefore, and said to them, murmur not one with another. No one's able to come to me if the father who sent me doesn't bring you, doesn't draw you. Remember, ask. And I will raise him up in the last day. In the last day, I'm going to raise him up. It is having been written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Everyone, therefore, who heard from the Father and learned, ask, seek, learn from the Father, comes to me, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. Now, we've always thought that just meant Jesus. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who's believing in me will have life, age, during. 
So we're to be taught of God. Everyone who heard from the Father, learned, comes to the Son, the bread of His truth, believing is drinking the wine of His Spirit, which is His life, being prepared for the age during, the age to come in that day. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that out of the heavens coming down that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of the heaven and if anyone, and by the way, the word heaven there is actually the sky, the, out of the air. They translated it to the word heaven. But if you go through a bu- all the translations, you'll find a bunch of them, it's, it's the sky. Um, if anyone may eat of this bread he will live to the age there's the word again but instead of of saying age during it says to the age this period and the bread also that I will give is my flesh that I will give for the life of the world the Jews therefore were striving with one another saying How is this one able to give us his flesh and eat? Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, if you don't eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you've got no life in yourselves. He who is eating my flesh and is drinking my blood has life aged during. And I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is food, my blood is drink, And he who is eating my flesh and drinking my blood will remain in me and I in him. So according as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, he also who is eating me, even that one will live because of me. This is the bread that comes down out of heaven. Not as your fathers did, eat the manna and die. He who is eating this bread will live to the age. To the age. These disciples, having heard this, the word is hard, they said. Who can hear this? How can I listen to this? They thought he was being a cannibal. Cannibalism, I'm not interested in. And Jesus, having known in himself that the disciples were murmuring about this, said to them, does this stumble you? If then you may behold the Son of Man going up where he was before. He says, if you've seen me going up in the air, would you believe me? The Spirit, it is that gives life. He tells him again. The flesh does not profit anything. The sayings I'm telling you, they speak to you, are spirit and life. But there are certain of you who do not believe. And Jesus know from the beginning who they are and who are not believing. And who is he who will deliver him up, he said. Because of this, I have said to you, no one can come to me if it may not have been given to him from my father. So from this time on, it says, many of the disciples, and listen to this, they went away backward 
They walked away from Christianity, from Christ. So the question would be, were they ever? It says the Father, in another passage, it says that the, Jesus says, Father, I have not lost one that you gave me. And no one comes to the Son except the Father bring him. So there's always multitudes trying to reason. But then when Christ does something and says something that's an offense, where he's really trying to bring revelation to cause you to understand the gospel, the good news of what the Father's doing, they leave. They go away. They go backwards. Do you see? And they were no longer walking with Jesus. Jesus therefore said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? Peter said, Sir, whom shall we go to? Who has the sayings of life, age, during? And we've believed and we've known that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So to hunger is to eat the flesh of Jesus Christ, which he's talking about the bread, the truth. Eating the truth of the word of God, the manna. There are keys in the bread, mysteries, the, the ones of old talked about. And they're hidden. God hides a thing for you to seek it out in order to find the life. Do you see this? To believe is to drink the, the blood of the very life of Christ. That's that Zoe life. Now let me give you a bit of a, a quick synopsis of this word age during or Ionus. Ionus. Huh? Ionius. Okay. The gospel writers thought in terms of two ages. The present age and the age to come. They associated the age to come with God himself. It was an age in which God's presence, listen to this, this is really exciting, God's presence would be fully manifested, his purposes fully realized, and his redemptive work eventually completed. We call this harvests. They therefore came to him to employ the term aeonus, as an eschatological doctrine of end times term, one that functioned as a handy reference to the realities of the age to come. Okay, you with me? In this way, they managed to combine the more literal sense of that which pertains to an age with the more religious sense of that which manifests the presence of God in a special way. Eternal life, then, is not merely life that comes from God. It's also the mode of living associated with the age to come. See, eternal life is what is in God. It's not an extension of time. Unless it's connected with the person of God who has no beginning and no end. You see, it's not time. We think time. That's our problem. God's not in time. 
but there is a quality of life that dwells within God. It says, this is eternal life, that you may know Jesus Christ, or sorry, the Father and Christ whom he sent. That's eternal life. Now, we thought, or we were taught, that meant that I would live forever. No. It doesn't say it or not say it. What it's telling you is this Zoe life, this eternal life that's within God is put in you. That's what this cross was all about. That's what this Christian thing is all about. It's about the Spirit. It's about what God is doing in you and through you. Eternal life, then, is not merely a life that comes from God. It's also the mode of living associated with an age to come. I'm reiterating that. And similarly, for eternal punishment, is not merely punishment that comes from God. It is also the form of punishment associated with the age to come. Now, in none of this, is there any implication that the life that comes from God and the punishment that comes from God are of equal duration? Likewise, Beecher demonstrated that in the days of the early church, the idea was punishment of the world to come. The early church established that fact through the ancient creeds arguing that eternal punishment must be of unending duration because it contrasted with eternal life. They just made the association in Mark, or sorry, uh, Matthew 25, 46, which misses the point. It fails to recognize that eternal life is a quality of relationship with God, John 17, 3, and is an end in itself. That's why this is going on. And... While eternal punishment is God's corrective discipline and a means to an end. In any case, whether aeon means age abiding of God or of the world to come. So then if aeon does not strictly mean eternal, what word does? There are a number of Greek words that imply eternal. They're translated indestructible, imperishable, unfading immortality, incorruptible. These are the words that are unending. So if this thing that Jesus spoke about in John 6 is about partaking of the bread and the wine, that there is this period of of time, this thing called age during, which is... um, a different age, as this present age was called. In that time, did you hear what it was? It was the unfolding manifestation of the presence of God and the glory of God. Let me say it again. This place called age during is when the presence of God and the manifestation of His glory would begin to come into the earth and begin to increase. It would come after two days, 2,000 years. It would start in that day, the third day, now, where we are now. 
it would start. And in Proverbs, it says it's like the sun coming up, right? It starts in the morning. It breaks through at 5.30, whatever, and it's all dark and shadowy. And then it goes up and up and up and up and up until it's at the fullness of the day where there is no shadows, full light, full glory. I want to suggest to you that you are living in the age during right now where the manifest presence of God is now into the earth again, like it hasn't been for a long time. That Rodney Howard Brown was a bartender that God called in, in South Africa, and he called him to go into the earth and carry the wine. And he began to pour wine, and in the late 80s, it began to explode. And then in 94, Rodney, uh, Randy Clark went to a Rodney Howard Brown meeting, got whacked, got whacked again, got up, went, got whacked again. He comes to Toronto, 1994, January 20th, boom, this thing happens in Toronto. It had already happened through Rodney. It was flowing, and it kept going. Where are you now? Do you realize what's going on? I've said that light has come like never before. Light exploded on the scene for me in 2006. He goes, John, what do you suppose the church needs reform from now? Like Martin Luther's day. He meant, wasn't, he doesn't ask questions for answers. He was telling me. John, a reform's coming, and the Reformation is my word. My life is coming back to the church. And so we've started drinking of the presence and the glory. That thing opened up this morning. I spent 30 years looking for that. I don't look now. It's just happening. He's starting to break bread. He's bringing the bread, and I'm having communion in my shower. He's feeding me the body of Christ. And the presence comes on me and I drink the wine of his blood. Do you see? For one man it's an offense. This isn't going down. This is going up. First, um, Thomas said you'll be troubled, but then you will be astonished when he begins to show us the scrolls, when we come into a place where all of a sudden the prophets were in the room this morning. They manifest. And maybe Isaiah's got something to say to us today. Maybe Jesus Christ himself will come into the room and talk to us face to face in the flesh. This is the days we've moved into. What you're seeing is the beginning of age during. What did Jesus say about it? In that day, about his life being poured out, it would start coming. The way to the Spirit, two, two things left. The way to the Spirit is death, then resurrection. To live in Christ it says to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do you realize that's the same, both are the same? They mean the same thing. To live 
is Christ in me. To die from my soulishness, that fallen state, is to gain Christ. They both mean the same thing. It's not about you laying your body down under the ground. Yay, it's good when I die and I rot. It's nothing about this at all. It's about gain in Christ. Both are the same, revealing the path. No way around the cross. You can't get around the cross. The soul with its reasoning must lose control, and the resurrected life of Christ in me takes over. That was the whole purpose of this thing, man. That's why I do, I eat and I drink. That I might walk with the divine, right? The journey is revealed as Jesus gives us the keys, which are the secret mysteries of the gospel, which are hidden from the carnal and the soulish life. You will not get this in reason and soulish understanding. Did they back there? Did they understand the parables? And we teach those parables like parables now, like they literally... We want to go onward and upward, up the ladder of perception from glory to glory. That means the light's coming on. It says, in that day, I will know as I have been known. You know what the Lord said to me in the shower this morning? He said, John, I'm your father. Do you know what that means? Do you have any idea what this means about you? I have children. Tosh is one of them. My DNA is right here. Is she not part of me? And do you not see me? If you look at her, you can see me. Because I'm there. There's a part of me and a part of Susan there. I want to say to you, Your Father in heaven, the creator of the universe, you are part of him. His DNA is in you. Think about this for a moment. You've been in the dark. The world is in the dark. Darkness means blind. The best part of religion is in the dark. God came, John 151, erected a ladder called Jesus Christ. The base of the ladder is called cross, Calvary. And then he goes from glory to glory. Up the ladder we go. And who's on the top of the ladder? The creator of the universe, your father. And one day I will know, as I've been known by the heavenly realm, by the angels. They know who I am. It's me that doesn't know who I am. Because I've been waking up from a sleep and have not known. This is true of all of us. God is calling. We still want to see signs. Do a miracle, Jesus, and I'll believe you, man. There's something way beyond that. Yes, those things need to happen. They're tools. But seeing the Father 
fellowshipping with the Father. Woo! Looking into his face. Oh, knowing who you are. What's that worth? What is that worth? You're his son. You're his daughter. You are not a human being. If you've been to Calvary, you are no longer a human being because God dwells in you. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in us. The life that we're receiving from the bread is the spirit of eternal life that's in the Father, given to us through the revelation of His language, who He stepped down from heaven in physical form and said, fill up, fill up. He wants to teach us. I end with Romans chapter eleven thirty six in the Amplified. For from Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. For all things originate with Him and come from Him. All things live through Him, and all things center in and tend to uh, consummate and to end in Him. To Him be the glory forever and amen. So be it. All things exist in God. He's life. The wisdom of God is just blows me away. The wisdom of God. I want to study Psalm 139. Because he said that the earth is pregnant. It's a womb. And that it will give birth. Do you think that the Psalm 139, if we move off the literal, do you think we might see something about what's going on in human history and what's going, where we're going? Do you notice that people get pregnant and sometimes things happen that are imperfect? What's going to come from this womb? It's very, very important that we understand we're in a womb and we are being fearfully and wonderfully formed by light and that the light, the Zoe life of God is within us, teaching and awakening us and that if we seek, you will find you got to be hungry, Jesus said. you got to be hungry to eat that bread, the truth. you got to be willing to let go of the old menorah. It's not going to be easy. Remember, the, the literal doesn't go away. There was a step, but the literal is not it. you got to be willing to want to know the hidden things that the Father has hidden so that we, it's as the glory would be that we would find it. That's why he did it. Lots of people aren't looking. 
They're happy where they are. They're content. That's sad, isn't it? I'm not content. I'm like a starving man. I want to know. I want to know God. I'll be content when I look in his face. And it won't be for the first time I've seen him before. But face to face, like Moses, it says they communicated as a man talks to a man. No more riddles. But if he walked in the room and spoke to us face to face with no riddles right now, we would be so blown out by the reality of what's real. It would just scramble you. I watched a person one time have to be rebooted. That freaked them out. They went into a vision onto the Father's knee. They seen the disciples and God was imparting to them truth. And then when they came back, they were crying and screaming, I don't understand everything. And she didn't mean there, she meant here. None of it made any sense. Now in the dark, and he had to reboot her. It's like rebooting a computer. It's like, isn't it nice that he takes us from glory to glory? That's why when he's in the car accident when I died, and he held the scroll in front of me, I couldn't take it. Maybe my spirit could. But he knew the man, the soul. Oh, there's no way in the world I could have because I had my reality. It was a little box I live in. My reality, my normal, was a box. And he was going to burn the box and let me into his reality. But his reality didn't fit in my box. And you all have boxes. I have a box. She has a baby. We have a box. And what's going to happen is God's wants to take the walls down in the box so we can see the reality his way. But you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing. You've got to understand this isn't something we do on Sunday morning. If that's all this is to you, is church, you're not going to find this. This isn't something I do. It's my life. I live this. It's called Christ in me. It's the only thing that will work is you have to be hungry. Then you will come. And then he says, you will believe when you're drinking of his spirit, his eternal life that's in him. You begin to drink of it because of what Calvary did. So now I begin to drink of that spirit, that eternal spirit eternal because God is unending at this point that's the connection and I'm drinking of it the life is in the blood in Leviticus remember I'm drinking of who God is and he's saying drink more John drink more soon you will recognize that I'm in you, and you're in me, and we're one. You begin to recognize my DNA in you. You're my son. 
and it'll intensify, intensify, and the walls will start to come away. And as I feel comfortable in his spirit, because I know his love, I'll be able to let go of my security called the walls of my reality. And then his reality will start coming. And eventually, I'll walk as Jesus. Because Jesus is a template, a picture of a new creation man that you're to be. Jesus walked full open. He's seen the spirit world and the natural world all open at one time. So did Adam and Eve before the fall. There's a word I'm going to end with this called collapsus in Genesis. It's the veil. Collapsus took place at the fall. A veil of darkness came over the mind and the heart of Adam and Eve. And at that point, they could no longer see the spirit world, the angels, God, what they were used to. They now were in a state of darkness. There's another word called apocalypsis. It's where we get our word apocalypse. It's not what you think. Apocalypsis is the book of Revelations, which is the unveiling of God. As it, at the end, is as at the beginning. So the collapses that came upon Adam is going to be, and is, that's why we're talking this morning and why we're experiencing God is the apocalypsis, the revelatory, the revelation of God. What John's seen is beginning to lift off. Apocalypsis. The other Greek word is photiso, which has got to do with taking a picture. In order to get the picture, you must open the aperture and let the light in. Isn't that interesting? If you go in a closet and take a picture, you're not going to get the picture. You're not going to see what you're taking a shot of. But if you let light through the aperture, this process is called photisa. This is the same thing God's revealing in Revelation. The light comes in through the aperture, and then you see, like a picture. So in order to see the spirit world, of which we are spirits, Father is a spirit, it says we are Spirits, he's the father of spirits, right? In order to see, you need this process, Fultiso, to happen. And Fultiso is what's happening right now. It's begun. The light has started to shine through the aperture into my heart, to your heart. And slowly, we will see apocalypsis, the unveiling of God. So that's the process we're in right now. Let's stand. Father, I worship you. I worship you, Father. Oh, man. I drink deep of the eternal life that's within me. The Zoe life of God that's within. Whoo! I thank you that I'm alive at this time more than any other time in history. I'm ecstatic about it. God, I am there at the dawning. 
of a new day, age during. Woo! At the unveiling of your presence and your glory once again. To those that have been being prepared, that have come because the Spirit of the Father asked in them and drew them to the bread so that they could sit and eat of the bread and drink of the literal wine. Lord, they will be transfigured as you were on the mountainside. The glory that's within, the eternal life within, will begin to come forth in them. But those they have not received, will not receive, they will run because of fear, because they have not known your love. Whenever you come, Lord, there's two things that happen. One is redemptive. It's the revelation of your amazing love and your goodness towards us. And on the flip side of the coin, it's judgment on those that have turned from you. Better that we fall on the rock than the rock fall on us. Behold the kindness and the severity of God. Woo! Ah, yeah. Woo, Jesus. Mm. Thank you that you sent the wine first. Hey, we need the wine so badly, Lord. Make us drunk in your spirit, Lord. Prepare us in the drunken glory of your presence, Father, as we partake of the precious blood of Jesus. That we would be prepared for the fire. It said you would no longer flood the world but the next time would be fire. The fire of your Spirit, a huge wave coming onto the earth. The refining fire, the fuller soap. Let us dine. Mm. Let us dine. For you've spread a table, a banqueting table before us in the presence of our enemies. Let us eat, let us drink of your goodness, God. Oh, God, we can do nothing but come and believe. Just come and believe. And so, Lord, I ask that, Lord, you would allow us to read the scroll. (laughs) You'd open the door. That ancient door that's hiding things. (laughs) That we could read the scroll. 
could read the scroll, Father. <laughs> that we would move with the angels. That we would work alongside the men in white linen, the cloud. Whee! <laughs> the cloud of witnesses. And what I tasted that day as you dumped your glory on me in the very early 80s and my head hit the table because I was so out of this world, <laughs> overcome with you, that that would begin to be a reality in this place, God, in this place, where we gather at the table, Lord, you would pour a bucket. Lord, you would pour a truckload of your Shekinah glory on each of us. in these days to come like we've never known before. The Lord, we would go forth as that little German woman in the boldness of your spirit. See the sick healed, the dead raised, but more importantly, people in the dark coming to the light of your love. those that are imprisoned by the father of religion and Jezebel would be released, God, to come to the banqueting table. We declare today in the name of Jesus Christ, we declare that this city, that the church in this city would be awakened and brought from its prison cell. Awakened to the banqueting table of the Master, Jesus, the King. That, Lord, you would establish an apostolic hub in the region in this the city of refuge. In this, the city as a light set upon a hill. Lord, that the spirit that rested on Martin Luther would rest upon your government that you establish as a hub in this city. And that our mission statement would be to be about the Father. I declare it and release it into the heavenly realms 
right now. And I call those things that are not as though they are. And I call the things from the future into the now. I say, come to me. Come to me. Those things from that realm of the third heaven, that period of history, would come to this one. And we would see escalation like never before. Lord, can you hear them crying, Lord, in the streets, in their houses, in their beds because of fear, because of torment, because of depression, because of broken hearts, because of sickness, because of disease. Can you hear them, Lord? For they have been bound because Lucifer has held them in captivity. Can you hear the religious spirits holding and hoarding the church, Lord, keeping her in bondage, prophesying through the spirit of Jezebel? Can you hear them, Lord? I speak freedom. From that curse in the name and through the blood of Christ, I speak freedom and I call those things that are not as though they are. I call forth that day of celebration, even as it was in Ireland. Even as it was in Ireland when the principalities were brought down under the feet of St. Patrick. And Lord, there was a release from the people coming out of jail. They were parading in the streets. And it was much more than about green beer. Lord, let the same thing that happened in Ireland, let it happen in Stratford, in Ontario, and in the nation of Canada. Release the angelic host, the warriors of heaven. Let them take their places in and over this nation. Woo! Let them break the strongholds and let light pierce this nation. Let the word of the Lord that he spoke through the prophets let it come to pass in our day. I stand in agreement with that word now, Lord. I align and position myself with the words of the prophets for the nation of Canada. And I speak on behalf of Canada and I say, as for me and my house, Canada, we will serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. Woo! Lord, let the fire come. Let the wine be poured out. And let your will be done today, in this hour, in this age during. Now we stand. For it says, those that wait upon the Lord will mount up, ascend, as the wings of eagles. 
we will raise to a place of flying in the spirit and sin. And no longer will we run in this race with the cloud of witnesses and be weary. For your word, Father, nourishes us, strengthens us. We have ate of your word today, Lord. We have drank of your blood. Woo! Let us be nourished, God, as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.